Welcome to Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. Friday, February 14th, Valentine's Day episode. Episode 22 of Season 3. We're back after a one-week hiatus. My name is Justin Hubbard. I'm the sports editor of Lake County News. Joined, as always, by Will Petty, the editor of the Bible Bulletin. Hello, hello. It's been a minute. Yeah, it has been a minute. I, I swear the last two weeks feels like an eternity ago. Uh, my schedule last week was insane. You had some things come up, so we could not get together last week. But I'm, I'm glad we're back for today's episode. Absolutely. Well, because we missed a week, we have to go back and discuss what was a pretty entertaining Super Bowl. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs topped the San Francisco 49ers 31-20. to uh, Will, what was your uh, overall reaction to this game? Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? And, and what do you think about the result? Well, I really enjoyed the halftime show, contrary <laughs> to everybody else's beliefs. I, quick, quick note. Two weeks ago, our last episode, we had some weird issues with my recorder, and it accidentally, your last couple of minutes was cut off where you were you know, just confessing and displaying your love for Shakira and more specifically Jennifer Lopez. So yes. I, I, I know you definitely enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. If they had my love, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, I thought it was a great halftime show. The game itself... I mean, I think it gave us everything we wanted. I mean, we wanted a really close game. Uh, we wanted San Francisco to show up and, you know, be a better defense than anyone else they faced lately. We wanted uh, Mahomes to go out there and air the ball out and just, you know, ha- you know, we want Kansas City to show out too. And, I mean, that's what we got. I mean, did anyone think that the last quarter was going to go the way it did? I didn't. I kind of did. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment, but yeah. Yeah, but overall, I mean, I think it was a good game. Yeah, it was one of the better Super Bowls that I have personally watched. I thought it was uh, very entertaining. The broadcast overall was really good. Great job by uh, – it was Fox who had it, right, with, with Joe Buck and Troy Aitman. I thought they did a great job. Well, we didn't have uh, – now here's a guy. <laughs> Hey, I like Chris Collins. I, I can't okay. stand the guy. Oh, my goodness. We, we will have that debate some other time. Uh, you mentioned him. Patrick Mahomes is the Super Bowl MVP. I feel like Damian Williams probably should have gotten it. I, I think he was robbed. But th- regardless, that is what happened. And Mahomes did make some big plays. On our Super Bowl preview episode, we talked about the ramifications of a potential Chiefs loss on the you know current legacy of Patrick Mahomes. What do you think this victory and uh, consequently the Super Bowl MVP, what do you think this does for for his stats? Does this solidify him as arguably the top guy in the NFL right now? Absolutely. I mean, I think it, you'd be hard-pressed to say that he's not. Now, granted, is he doing it by himself? No. I mean, he, he has wide receivers that would make any quarterback blush, you know, but uh, – you know, I think that right now, I mean, he is amongst the best, and I think that he went out and more than proved it. I mean, the guy does not get intimidated by anything. Anything. He can be down 24 points, still finds a way to come back, no pressure. And uh, even in a Super Bowl, when he got down by 10 points or 11 points, no pressure. I mean, dude, dude's got it. Yeah, I totally agree. Um you know, I know he's not the league MVP from this year. That was obviously Lamar Jackson, very, very deserving. Um, I, I don't know how you ever felt about Lamar, but I was kind of skeptical of him. I, I'm sold on Lamar, but 
you need to see it over the long term. And he's had one amazing season. He was okay the year before. This past season, he was phenomenal. But with Mahomes, we've seen this two years in a row. You know, probably he probably should have played for two Super Bowls in a row because I think they probably should have beaten uh, New England last year. But yeah, I, I think this just puts a stamp on him as the guy for yeah the foreseeable future. Obviously, Tom Brady's still around. Nobody can touch that kind of legacy. But I, I think as far as the, the top current guys, he's he's got to be at the top of that picking order. Oh, absolutely. Uh, his his physical attributes are just through the roof. I don't know that we've ever seen somebody who has such a variety of of, of skills and gifts at the quarterback position. So I, I'm very excited to see this guy keep playing. And I've got a feeling this is the first of – Many, many accolades to come for him. Well, could you imagine if he went to a better college team than Texas Tech? Yeah. I mean, imagine if he went to, say, A&M or to Florida or to Georgia or to anyone like that. I mean, Don't even even put that idea in my head of him wearing red and black. That would have been amazing. Well, we'd have a title. Yes. (laughs) We'd have a title. He probably would have had a Heisman. Because he yeah. would have been, you know, Texas Tech is no slouch of a program. Don't get me wrong. Right. The ceiling is is limited there, at least in the current college ball climate. But yeah, I mean, just just a, a really, uh, like I said, solidifying of the status for Patrick Mahomes there. Now on the flip side, Kyle Shanahan is the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, you know we love bringing this up. If you've ever listened to our show, you know we love bringing this up. He and Atlanta Falcons blew a 28-3 lead to the New England Patriots in the 2017 Super Bowl. Well, in this year's Super Bowl, as the head coach of the Niners, uh, Shanahan directed a team that was up 20-10 to with 2.35 left in the third quarters when they scored their, their final touchdown. And in the fourth quarter, gave up 21 unanswered points to, to lose a game that they were dominating and lose it in somewhat you know, convincing fashion by 11 points. It's a, it's a pretty big win in the NFL these days. So what is what, what does this do for Kyle Shanahan moving forward? Because my, my takeaway is he is going to be under a major microscope. See, I disagree. You think so? Yeah. Um, here's why. So, who are the people that are bringing it up the most that he blew the lead? I mean, yeah, you and I are bringing it up right now. But overall, <laughs> who's the people bringing it up? It's the Falcons fans. Yeah. Where were the Falcons during the Super Bowl? Oh, they were sitting at home. Yeah. Where were they three weeks before the Super Bowl? They were sitting at home. Yeah. <laughs> who's the one that got them to that Super Bowl? Kyle Shanahan. Yes, and Tevin Coleman, arguably. Both of them went out I, to San Francisco. I think Matt Ryan and Julio had a lot to do with it, too. But, you know. Yeah, but... <laughs> Shanahan, really. Um, so I think that, quite frankly, you got a coach that is in his, what, second year at San Francisco and he already got him to a Super Bowl. Do you really think that people are going to give him that much flack over one game where you have teams that built up significantly larger leads against this team and then came back and won? I mean, it happened with Houston. It happened with Tennessee. I mean... I think you put any other team from the AFC against San Francisco in that moment in time down or with San Francisco up twenty to ten, San Francisco wins. That's not a Shanahan thing. Has everything to do with Andy Reid, has everything to do with Patrick Mahomes, has everything to do with the receiving core. And, you know, if you really want to place blame on specific players, I'm not gonna blame on Shanahan, but 
Come on, Sherman, show up. <laughs> yes. Uh, for the record, I am a Richard Sherman fan. Yeah. Because, you know, as we'll discuss in a few minutes, we, you and I both love our professional wrestling. He reminds me of a pro wrestler because he'll, he'll cut the promos and everything and yeah. the interviews and whatnot. But he normally backs it up. He did not back it up in this Super Bowl. He, he had an atrocious game. So, I mean... Quite frankly, I think Shanahan's going to be back. Shanahan's going to have a Super Bowl before Atlanta does. <laughs> probably. He'll probably have two or three Super Bowls before Atlanta does. <laughs> so, as far as I am concerned, Shanahan's fine. He just needs to, you know, learn his lessons and keep on improving. I mean, he gets to the big game. That's. I think San Francisco's just thrilled to death that they even made it. Especially when you think about, you know, three or four years ago, them going, what, 2 and 15? Something like that. Yeah, yeah they, they've been down the dumps for yeah. a while. So, I, I I don't think people in the Bay Area are that angry. I think they're angry. But, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I think you've swayed me. Because I, I said at first, I feel like he's going to be under a big microscope. But, you're right. I mean, it it is an accomplishment making it to the Super Bowl. And he is a young enough guy. He's going to be around for years to come. But I, I think he's in danger, at least. It's, it's apropos that he lost to Andy Reid because I think he could be the next Andy Reid, this guy who's very clearly a brilliant coach and knows how to do a lot of great things, knows how to get his team in the in position to win, but just can't quite finish it. Right. And uh, I think I think that's a, a pretty good comparison. You know, look across the sideline in this game. I, I think you're I think you're probably right about that. So, uh, given uh, what we saw from both teams this season and the ending, do you see either one of these teams possibly making the Super Bowl next season, or do you have other dark horses that are also sort of on your radar of who could actually come out and uh, win the Super Bowl? I think both of these teams have a great shot at getting back because, uh, well, let me, let me say this. San Francisco, from my understanding, is about to lose a ton of people to free agency. So maybe not. Maybe you know if they can lock and load again, or reload, I should say, uh, maybe they can get there. But, well, they're also in a tough division. Yeah, exactly. The, the, Seattle is very clearly trending uh, upward. Uh, so is Arizona. Arizona's getting better with Kyler Murray, absolutely. Uh, Kansas City definitely has the best chances of any of these because of all of the weapons that we got that they've got, yeah. as you said. Um, as far as other teams, never count out the Patriots. Yeah. Um, and I'm not just saying this as a Cowboys fan, but if they get their ish together with Mike McCarthy, they have the talent to get there. A first-year coach? That's bold. Well, he, he'll be stepping in with a pretty experienced Fair. roster by this point. Um, you know... The Saints, if they can, if they can get through the playoffs, maybe they could get there. But that's you know, that remains to be seen. The Packers, the same situation with them. Tennessee, possibly the Cincinnati Bengals the Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. Bengals. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and the Browns, they could be there. <laughs> what about you? Do you expect either of these to to have maybe not go back to the Super Bowl, but do you expect them to be in the running? Chiefs will have a deep run. They may come back and do back-to-back. I mean, you know, they went 50 years without yep. winning one, and I think for them this is going to be a we 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 don't want to win our 50 years. Let's get our one right now while we can, yep. while the, the fire's hot. Uh, a dark horse that I have that I think a lot of people don't is the Houston Texans. I think that uh, they could potentially make some noise in the AFC. Uh, 
can't count out Baltimore. I mean, that's true. After what yeah. we saw, I mean, they, yeah, good call. NFC was, I mean, I feel like we're at a moment right now where the AFC's kind of up here and the NFC's kind of like down here. Like they're not close at all. I mean, you know, yeah, they're all NFL teams, but like they're the the difference is significantly. You know, it's sort of like how in the NBA for the longest time, like everybody knew that the Western division was leagues ahead of the Eastern mm-hmm. division. So, I don't know who from the NFC could even really be a serious contender. I don't think Dallas, simply because they're a first-year coach. Um, I, I think Seattle has a really good shot, I would say, better than San Fran, simply because of the free agency. But I'm not counting out San Fran either. Um, the only other team that really comes to mind for me that would really have a serious shot is if is like if a team like Minnesota can get their stuff together. I mean, I think Minnesota has a good chance. Mm-hmm. I'd argue that uh, Chicago, if they could get a decent offense going, I mean, if they could figure out those problems, they could make it. But. Well, Chicago has made abundantly, there we go, clear that Mitch Trubisky is going nowhere, so I'm not sure if that's going to happen. <laughs> I think it's past time to cut your losses there. You know, though, people said the same thing about Dak, and then he came out and had a good season. Wait, wait, wait a second. We are not about to compare Mitch Trubisky with Dak Prescott, okay? I, I will not stand for that slander. But, I, but as the fans <laughs> not said the same thing, though, was it not the same thing with the Cowboys, that Dak's not the good quarterback, he can't throw the long passes? Th- there have been some people who said that, but nowhere near to the level of what people say about Mitch Trubisky. But also, who does Trubisky have to throw to? That's true. That's I mean, true. I mean, but, I mean, once Dak got Amari Cooper... All of a sudden, wow, he can throw. Well, 2016, he had almost he had De- he had Des Bryant and then a bunch of scrubs. Yeah. Well, Cole Beasley, Cole Beasley was really good that year. Uh, you mentioned Houston. I'm right there with you. I think if they can live up to their potential, they could be another one. But I just don't trust Bill O'Brien to to do. He was <laughs> up. You said it. 24 nothing on Kansas City. Kansas City is an amazing team, but to me, that just that loss kind of kind of soured any confidence I have in Bill O'Brien. Well, I just, just to re- be honest. I really hope the Tennessee Titans enjoyed their trip to the AFC Championship because that's not happening again for a while. I don't know. You never know. No, it's the team from Tennessee. It ain't happening. <laughs> well, um, the NFL season has come and gone. Um, and, of course, the XFL is back and maybe we'll discuss them at some point. Just me personally, I didn't get to watch a single play from this past weekend. I've heard good reviews, but I'd like to watch a little bit before we discuss that. Um, because you and I both know that we, we'll give football a chance. We talked about the AAF, mm-hmm. all all of it, for its entirety last year. So, uh, we're, I mean, we're I will excited. say I was I – was, uh, you know, I was going to see Aaron Murray on the field again. Yeah, he struggled, though. From what he, I heard. He, he struggled. Uh, I think uh, Dallas is going to be a good team. Uh, their starter was out, Landry Jones. So, but, uh, you know, having the great Bob Stoops there is really going <laughs> to, I mean, going to make wonders for them. But. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited to watch it maybe a little bit this weekend. Well, one thing that we have watched is college football, and, of course, 
the college football season is long over by now. But I'm already out there in that coot and try to get some, <laughs> get some good coots, man. Tell you what, we're going to go out there. We're going we to make sure that well, we know we lost, uh, we lost uh, Joe Burrow. The great state of Louisiana is going to find a good, a good quarterback to replace him. And you know what? We're going to go back out there. We're going to beat Alabama again. Go Tigers. Yeah, I don't know about that, Coach O. <laughs> oh, you'll, well, you'll just see the great state of Louisiana knows it all. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, run the ball. Well, I don't guess we're going to talk about LSU this week, but uh, there's been a, a pretty major development at Michigan State with uh, what's the name, Mark D'Antonio? Yeah. He uh, just abruptly retired. Uh, pulled a over Kelvin the last Sampson. He pulled a Kelvin Sampson, you know, where. Uh, Okay, Kelvin Sampson was a former Oklahoma basketball coach uh, that went to Indiana. And then he left Indiana whenever the big recruiting violations came down in the NCAA a few okay. years back. And, like, <laughs> Indiana has not fully recovered okay. from that. But. Yeah, I, I did not know that name. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, D'Antonio retired abruptly. And it sounds like this – I don't guess this has officially been announced, but – uh, the reports are rampant, so it, it seems likely that Mel Tucker is going to take the job. Now, Mel Tucker may sound familiar to anybody listening because just a couple of years ago, he was the defensive coordinator under Kirby Smart at Georgia. And, of course, he left after, what was it? I guess it would have been the 2018 season. Yeah. And took the Colorado head coach job. Have you followed this very closely at all? I mean, I know that there's – Issues at Michigan State right now. A lot of people think that uh, there's going to be some sort of violation or big, big uh, thing that will actually hurt Michigan State pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as Mel Tucker though goes, I I think it's a dumb move. Um, Colorado is a pretty good school. It's not bad. Um, I would rather stay at a school that may be stable and has, you know, moved on from their violations, which, sure. I mean, everybody remembers Colorado's violations. They were bad. But, I mean, they, they moved on. I, I think you might as well stay at Colorado and, you know, not go to somewhere where there's about to be a dumpster fire. Yeah, I, I think it's a big loss for Colorado, first of all. I think loss. Tucker is a, a really good coach. There's a reason he was plucked up, and there's a reason he's getting such a high-profile job in just his second year as a head coach. But you're right, there is some uh, potential stink arising from uh, the Spartans football program. More importantly, though, I, there, there's some, some baggage coming with Tucker because – Per all reports, per all social media posts, including some from Tucker himself, this week, you know, in the days leading up to this this decision, which I think came down overnight Wednesday morning, you know, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, he was reaffirming his dedication to Colorado. And uh, I think the night before this broke, he even met with some boosters and a recruit or two. Uh, apparently, there were some longstanding retired numbers that he unretired. It was kind of controversial among the Colorado fan base. And now he's ditching down. Um, I mean, you can pull up his Twitter. There was a tweet from Monday or Sunday where he said, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered. And basically, he said, I'm flattered to be getting this attention from Michigan State, but I'm fully committed. And now he's supposedly taking the job. So money talks. I'm, I'm not going to downgrade him for that because obviously he'll make more money there than he did at Colorado. But kind of a, kind of a sketchy move here on, on all sides, really. 
Yeah, I mean, some something's gonna come out. I just had that feeling. You know, there was that lawsuit against the uh, D'Antonio. So let's just see where there's smoke, there's fire. Yep. But at the same time, you gotta think that there maybe Tucker maybe feel like it won't affect. The, I don't know. Like there, there's something there though. I but if I were him, I would have stayed in Colorado for at least two or two more seasons and. You know, waited for another opportunity, like say Texas, because I'm sure that's going to open up again, or you know, something like that. Yeah, I think with Tucker, I, I agree with you. If it, if I were in his shoes, that's probably what I would do. But we don't know yet how much big of a, a pay increase he's going to get. But he will make more money. It it is a much more prestigious job. Clearly, he wants to have a long term career as a head coach. Is Michigan and State really a prestigious job? Though it, it's it's a bigger program than Colorado. Colorado has championships to back up. Though. I understand yeah. that, but Michigan State is in a much better spot on the field. I get what you said, yeah. but we don't know what is going to happen right. yet. Um, with that said, he is returning home in a lot of ways because apparently he was an assistant coach under Nick Saban at Michigan State way back in the day. So yeah. that that obviously played a factor in it too. But yeah, this is going to be a, a very intriguing situation to watch for the next few weeks and really through this entire coming season, I think. Maybe this hates the cold, but why leave the cold for a colder place? All right, well, speaking of uh, Georgia, you know, because uh, Bill Tucker was defense coordinator here. That is correct. <laughs> Our recruiting class went well this year. I mean, number one, better than Clemson, better than Bama, better than LSU. <laughs> I was about to say LSU. Better than, <laughs> you know, even better, better than, than Oklahoma. Yeah, better than Oklahoma, better than Boise State. Texas A&M. University of Nevada, Las Vegas, <laughs> Liberty, <laughs> FIU, Georgia Tech, oh. <laughs> DeVry. <laughs> okay, uh. <laughs> DeVry. No, there's another one. Another one of those. Uh, oh, uh, what is it, the Phoenix Institute? Yeah, no, the Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, no, University of Phoenix. Sorry. Yeah, yeah there we go. There we go. Uh, but number one recruiting class, the best in the land, you know, something that we've been able to do year in and year out here lately. We're always in the top three. Yep. Is this just business as usual or is this a special class? I think it's special because of the ground that Georgia made up. You, you go back just a month ago, month and a half, two months, and it didn't look like Georgia was going to be that number one. And then things started shifting, and I, I think you really have to point back to um, the Jake Fromm decision and bringing in Jamie Newman, I think there's some renewed excitement, some renewed expectations, some renewed stability. Yeah. And I think that sold some of these big recruits. And obviously Kirby Smart has more than proved his mettle as a recruiter. Um, the loss of Sam Pittman worried me from a recruiting standpoint because obviously that guy's track record is incredible. But but with that said, Georgia made a smart move by bringing in Matt Luke right away. He was on the retreat, recruiting trail day one. He'll make sure that they don't get any uh, you know misconduct penalties in the end zone at least. <laughs> I would hope. <laughs> he learned his lesson there. <laughs> yeah, that was a lesson learned the hard way. But you know what? It, it gave us... The dream matchup we've been waiting on. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Leach yep. and... <laughs> uh, Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think it's... I, I don't want to say it's business as usual because that makes it sound like it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. But 
I'm I'm impressed by the continuity. Yeah. Uh, with these recruiting classes that Kirby Smart has built up, and now it's time to to start winning on the field. And I think some of these coaching changes. By the way, we didn't get to talk about James Coley leaving for Texas A&M. Pretty big development there. Oh yeah. Um, I don't blame him. He had been demoted twice. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I don't blame him for getting out of Georgia. But yeah, I think there's a, a great combination in Athens right now. Um, I'll, I'll let you share your thoughts. I just want to throw out one last quick thing. There's a late country connection to this class. Uh, three-star offensive lineman Weston Wallace from Gatewood uh, did not earn a scholarship, but he is a preferred walk-on. He signed on National Signing Day uh, last Wednesday. I've got a story about that in this week's Eaton to Messenger. Uh, he had a crazy trip. We were just talking about Colorado. He was originally yeah, he was going to go to Colorado State, right? Colorado State until they fired Mike Bobo. That changed some things, so... Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what he's able to do as a preferred walk-on. He's going to be a little bit more limited as far as playing time and opportunities like that go, at least from the beginning. But he's he's determined. You can read my story and read his thoughts about it. He's determined to get up there and prove himself. And he mentioned Matt Luke specifically as a, a big selling port for him. He, you know, he could have taken scholarship offers elsewhere. Decided to give that up and, and go take a chance on himself at Georgia. So these coaches are definitely – doing something right but i'll let you share your thoughts now um i think it's a great class i can't wait to uh, see what the end result will be you know how that applies to the field yeah um i think that uh you know georgia's really got a shot again I, I, this is a thing that's weird for us now every season we can say georgia has a shot and like actually mean it <laughs> it's no longer the well next year is our now it feels like any year could be our year. right and uh I mean, you look at the way our schedule's lining up, we don't have to play. I mean, well, we got Alabama, who, yep. uh, you know, that that's going to determine everything next season. Um, I think so. But uh, overall, I I think this is a great class, and I think this may be a class that will get a ring, you know, if not this year, at least, you know, in their four years of being there. Uh, last thing, I think, as we have discussed a few times here since the end of uh, well, I guess it's December with Georgia losing the SEC championship. I think Kirby Smart just passed with flying colors the most crucial offseason of his time at Georgia. Oh, yeah. And obviously it all has to play out on the field still. there's, As far as I'm concerned, there's still a lot left to prove. But on paper, I, I think he just knocked it out of the park these last couple of months. We, I mean, we get an improvement in many aspects at quarterback. Yep. Uh I I mean we're not losing that badly at O line. If anything, I mean we 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 don't know. He he may be better at O line. We don't know. Yeah. Especially if that's going to be his primary focus. So we just have to weigh it out. I mean our defense is still strong and oh yeah. I I don't a lot see, of returning starters. Yeah, and that's what's going to make that Bama game really exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped for that. I hope I get to make the trip to Tuscaloosa. All right, well, uh, yeah, we got the NFL Combine coming up, and we got 10 players that are going to be at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis from February 23rd to March 2nd, uh, which if you play any of the Madden games, you know they always do it in Indianapolis. <laughs> yep. That has to be the only reason why Indianapolis still has a team, because there's, like, <laughs> like yeah, you have to think, that's got to be their reason for, like... It is an interesting yeah, kind of midway point, I guess, for most of the NFL teams. And, and it's a nice stadium. And it's covered. Yeah. 
That's a big thing. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, they're not doing it at Arrowhead. Yeah, or, they wouldn't do this at Lambeau. <laughs> or, or Candlestick Park. Still, still bringing it you. up. Still bringing it up. But, uh, all right, we got 10 players. By the way, that's a callback from, what, two episodes ago? Where two I, or three, I, yeah. I, I botched the, uh, the name of the 49ers home stadium. It is no longer Candlestick Park. But go ahead. Tell, tell us about the Combine and Georgia's players who will be present. All right, well, we got who's who of uh, 2019 Georgia players. Uh, we got kicker Rodrigo Blankenship, also known as Specs, also known as Hot Rod, also known as probably the best rapper Georgia football had for a while. <laughs> we have wide receiver Lawrence Cager. Also known as the only good wide receiver yeah. for 2019 yeah. until George Pickens came on at the end. Yeah. We got quarterback Jake from State Farm. We have Brian Herrian from the running back. We got offensive lineman Solomon Kinley. Safety J.R. Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one I think everybody, not just Georgia fans, but everybody in the NFL is excited to see, DeAndre Swift. I mean, the hype around him right now has been massive. Uh, offensive lineman Andrew Thomas, offensive lineman Isaiah Wilson, and tight end Charlie Warner. So, like, that's who's going to Indy to yep. combine. Um, which of those guys, you mentioned Swift, but outside of him, who were, uh, who's another player or two that you're – Kind of excited to see perform for the NFL scouts. Uh, hot Rod, because I mean, come on, he has to be one of the best kickers to come out of college in a while. Like he yep. needs to get signed. Um, and then I would say, you know, I I I won't see where all these O line go. I mean, I know that uh, Andrew Thomas is basically a top five pick right now, so I think that uh, there's a lot of hype around him. But, you know, the kind of name that's been kind of quiet is Cager. Um, I want to see, you know, if he has the potential. And I think the Combine will prove if he's, like, a first two-rounder or if he's going to be, like, a third, fourth, fifth. I definitely agree about Cager. If for no other reason than the fact he was so injured this past season, of course, without a doubt, the offense was completely different with him on the field. Yeah, these scouts could turn on two different game films. You know, maybe, uh, what was it, Kentucky at home yeah. where they struggled, then turn on Florida. The difference is night and day, of course. But he's got to prove that he's healthy and ready to take on the workload of the NFL. So I'm pumped to see him. Uh, I'm really intrigued by what Jake Fromm is going to do. I think he has a lot of question marks that are still there. Uh, for better or worse, whether you agree with them or not, they are there. Yeah, And so... I I hope this is a platform for him to kind of silence some of his doubters and maybe even shoot up the draft board a little bit. I don't think he's going to be a high pick, but uh, he could potentially vault himself forward. And then, like you said, DeAndre Swift, he's going to be he is going to be successful in the in the NFL if he could stay healthy. And I think that plays into his combine workouts too. Is will he be able, like Cager, to prove that he's healthy? And ready to go. So I mean, and all of those guys are going to be great. I have no doubt about it. But I think those three kind of have the most to prove, in, in my opinion. Well, Georgia and Alabama tied for second as the most number of invites, both with ten. Of course, number one went to Coach O's LSU Tigers. <laughs> yeah, I got sixteen players going up to Indianapolis, and they're gonna go out there and they're gonna show what Tiger football is all about in this great state, of Louisiana. <laughs> go Tigers! All right. Sorry. Well, now that we got call, you know. The serious sports out of the way. It's now time to talk about sports entertainment. That's right. And uh, we AKA have, pro wrestling. Yes, pograps. 
<laughs> and uh, we got a number of topics to talk about, but we're going to kick it off with some AEW action. AEW. Um, the Nightmare Collective, which has been a thorn in the side for many fans, is gone. But at least you know, now when we watch AEW, we get to hear Whataburger chants, so that's cool. <laughs> um, but, you know, what, you guys, what, what do you think about Nightmare Collective being gone? Hella freaking Luya. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I was telling you before we started recording, I had not watched AEW or NXT in over a month now. I've got a lot to catch up on. Um, but every time that I saw the Nightmare Collective on my screen, it just it bugged me. And what really sucked about it is Brandy Rhodes can flat out talk. And she's not too bad in the ring from what I understand. I mean, obviously, she's still kind of green compared to some of the other women in the company, but... She was too talented to be wrapped up in this. And so was Awesome Kong. She could have been a really legitimate, threatening, dominant force. And instead, they had him coming out there cutting weird promos about cutting off other people's hair. So I'm happy that they decided to drop it. I think it is uh, a very transparent, welcome move. It's something you would never see Vince McMahon do. And I think it's a good step for this young company to show that they are going to listen to the fan base. Absolutely. Not to mention that, um, you know, like I said, it's just, you know, they tried it. It didn't work. Yeah. I mean, I don't... It happens. Yeah. I mean, it does happen. And that's something that, uh, you know, when we talk about later about some of these other storylines going on right now, we we know they're not ending anytime soon as much as we hate them. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Lashley and Rue 71. <laughs> God, why? Um, so I do respect AEW for doing that. Um I'm interested to see how these uh, women are now going to branch out in the in AEW. What they're going to do, I think that <laughs> having Awesome Kong now like be herself and not tie down, this is about to pick up. Yep, and we'll get plenty of good old Jr. quotes from what happens <laughs> there. And, and quick aside, just because you brought up the Lashley and Lana crap, I'm also just heartbroken that they have drug. I assume. Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot into this, and it's, it's just gonna. Oh God, those two are just too good for this in my. And Rusev is too good. Uh, Ruby Riot, so, though, really I can't stand her. I'm not a fan, but she is good. Uh, I'm big on Liv Morgan, but yeah, I'm. That there's no end in sight for all of that. Yeah. Well, on AEW, as certain things are starting to end, <laughs> uh, there's a brand new feud just beginning. On uh, Friday night SmackDown, Goldberg is back. I think he, I think he overheard our podcast from two weeks ago, and overheard me saying that he has the best spear of all time. Yeah, that must be it. He's back, and the fiend Bray Wyatt is next. Um, what do you think about this as sort of a bump on the road to WrestleMania? You know, I'm, I'm torn. I shouldn't say bump. How about a detour? Yeah. Because bump implies that it's bad. Well, I'm torn. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I was never big on Goldberg. I've just never really been a fan of his. Uh, you know, it's just a big old hall that can just beat the crap out of you. And, I mean, that, and that's fine. Wrestling needs that. But, uh, you know, his time was 20 years ago. You know, it's a little different to have a 50-year-old hoss out there uh, just to beat the crap out of you and whatever, you know, there's all this younger talent. 
He, it, it reminds me of Batista. Like, you know, Batista kept coming back for a while, and it's just like, why? You know, like, it, it, it just doesn't always work for me. But him going against The Fiend, that is a good pairing. I, I will say that. Him going against The Fiend, I think that's going to work. I think they'll work well together. I think it's going to elevate The Fiend even further. And, uh, you know, I think that Goldberg has the ability to really bring out elements that maybe The Fiend has not worked with before that suddenly could make him even more. But the worst thing that could happen in my mind, is Goldberg just come out here and squash him and kill the whole thing. So, I mean, I think that if you're going to do it like this, it, the, the end result is The Fiend has to win. I don't think that's in question. This is, that, that's the reason I, I called it a detour. This is just to get The Fiend to WrestleMania because they don't want to go to The Fiend versus what everybody is assuming, Roman Reigns, so quickly and burn that out. And make it you know, stale by the time the big match comes around. This is going to be on the uh, next Saudi Arabia show, so it's that tells you the level of importance right there, frankly. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's I think it's perfectly fine for you know four or five weeks, ever how long it's going to be, uh, to get through the next pay per view and the next Saudi show, and then we can go to the serious feud between the Fiend and Roman Reigns. Uh, I agree. I. I'm not going to say I was never a Goldberg fan. I don't want to imply that I ever disliked him, but he was never my guy, you know. Um, he, he was won, a Falcon, but he was also a Bulldog. So I mean, that kind of that kind of that kind of levels out to me. He he won me over with his last run with the uh, Brock Lesnar feud. I hated that they killed Kevin Owens in the process, but um, Goldberg was really solid at that point for me. I never went back and watched it, but apparently his match against uh, The Undertaker sucked. So I think this is probably a make good to try to not have his last moment be so tainted. But, yeah, I think it's fine for a a quick one-off. But, yeah, I think The Fiend has to win, and I think they have to move on from this pretty quickly. They can't linger on Goldberg. Yeah, and Goldberg can't be the go-to for every single time. We can't be having Teddy Long out there being like, you face Goldberg, player. <laughs> well, uh, let's go ahead and talk about something that, uh, quite frankly, you predicted. You called this from, you know, before the Royal Rumble even happened, or right after. It was, you, it was yeah, the week it, after. It was the week after. You, you called this. I guess maybe Triple H was listening in on our podcast, <laughs> and he was like, that's a good idea. I'll be best for business. But, uh, no, it was, that's a good idea. You got to bring in the rock to do the over the top Triple H impression. <laughs> well, we got, uh, <laughs> but it looks like Charlotte Flair isn't going to be facing Becky or, uh, God, I always forget her name. Bailey. Bailey. Yeah, she ain't facing Becky. You're the Bailey Bailey. fan and you can't even remember her name. I, Shame. I'm, I'm going off of like two hours sleep today. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll give you a pass. <laughs> All right. But, uh, yeah, so Charlotte's not going up against Becky or Bailey. She's going to NXT, and she now has a feud with Rhea Ripley. How's that going for you? How, how do you like it? Well, first of all, let me back up and clarify that I, I did not call this. I passed on an idea that I heard on the CBS Sports State of Combat podcast. They, they produced this idea. I overheard it, and I thought, huh. And then I looked at the evidence they laid out, and I, I thought it sounded perfect. By the way, they just stopped doing pro wrestling podcasts on State of Combat. It broke my heart last week when that happened. Anyway, 
Um, I love it. It was their farewell gift. This was. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I love what they've done so far. I think it's been creative. I did not see the episode of NXT where Charlotte went down, but my understanding is she got jumped by Rhea and Bianca Belair. I love that Bianca is still a part of this. I don't think she's been on Raw, but on social media and obviously NXT episodes, she's been right in the thick of things because she does have a match in the interim with with Rhea Ripley, I believe, this Sunday at uh, TakeOver Portland, I think. So I'm glad that they have not forgotten her because that would be a major disservice. We all know it's going to be Ripley versus Charlotte. They're not planting these seeds to do a bait and switch and have it be Bianca. But I think Bianca's at the point where they, they've got to tread lightly because she is on a roll since the rumble. So I like that part about it too. And I think it's, number one, it's creative to go away from Becky versus Charlotte. We did not need to see that for the millionth time. And because I think they're they're waiting for, for Sasha Banks to heal up and they go to that versus, her versus Bailey for WrestleMania, I like that they're going to do that. Yeah, This is the most logical step for Charlotte in my opinion. Um, it, it's a complete winner for me so far. Absolutely, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think it's going well. Um, I just I love the creativity of it. Like this is something that no one anticipated, and here we are, yeah. and it's great. I mean, um, as far as Bianca Belair goes, I'm I'm waiting because I have a feeling that she's about to make a bump. I don't think she's gonna be at NXT much longer. Uh, yeah, her mean, stock is skyrocketing. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think that we'll see her going. My my gut says SmackDown, but uh, SmackDown could use her. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we'll see what happens. But I mean, as far as this feud goes, I'm I'm enjoying it, and I I like the fact that Charlotte's in there and she's helping you know boost up NXT a little bit, kind of like how uh, the uh, the Demon has done as well, so yep. Finn Valor. So, overall, very happy. Um, keep doing what they're doing, and uh, I'll definitely be keeping paying attention and tabs on it. Yeah, and last thought, Rhea Ripley is a freaking star. Oh, yeah. Um, she's she's carrying her load and then some during this feud, because I'm not a Charlotte guy. I don't dislike her. I'm not a fan, but Ripley is making me care about this. He's feud. more of an Atlanta fan. <laughs> So this past Monday, and, and I hope we don't get too long-winded with wrestling this week, but we do have a few topics to touch on. This past Monday, Seth Rollins had yet another match against Kevin Owens. It was not one-on-one. It was, <sighs> it was uh, Seth Rollins and his disciples, um, Buddy Murphy. Excuse me, just Murphy now, which is stupid. And the AOP versus, who was it, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, and the Viking Raiders. Yet again, um... I wanted this to all be over at the Royal Rumble. It was not. Is this getting stale for you? Seth Rollins is not CM Punk. I said it. He is not CM Punk. So you don't even like that he's leading a stable? No. Okay, I disagree. That is working for it, but I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you lay out your your reasoning. It's they're redoing what has already been done. Uh, you know, Straight Edge Society, I mean, that was just fantastic. You're not going to reach that ever again, especially not with Rollins. Rollins works significantly better as, I mean, I mean, I get it. He's the leader of a stable. I get it. But, number one, they don't have the right people with him. Number two, he 
could be doing significantly better, I think, in singles action at this point. And they could have really built up how to get the stable significantly better. Uh, as far as who he's going up against, I mean, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, all the others. It, I mean, let's, let's just call this what it is. You have a roster. You don't want best endeavor them. So you're just giving them something that they can play with for a while until you figure out something better for them. I mean, wow. it's just... It's not working for me. I mean, think about how anticlimactic the Royal Rumble was at the end. Like, Seth Rollins, number 30, he comes out with all these people around him. It's like, oh, cool, this is a cool concept. And then all of a sudden, they just all, you know, just beat the crap out of each other, heading to the backstage, and then all of a sudden, the Rumble, you know, ends the way it does. Which is perfectly fine at the very ending. Oh, yeah, no. We agree on that, but you're talking. But it just sort of seems like... You did this whole big show type thing where you're going to bring in all these people to defend you and make sure you win. And we already know it's WWE. You're not going to win. Yeah. But the way they went about the ending of that with him specifically to me was complete crap. Like what they should have done is instead of just rushing backstage, what they should have done in my opinion is... They should maybe let the actual Rumble match go on a little bit longer and uh, just sort of have them like brawling on the side and just beating the crap out of each other and like making it just be like a fight within a fight. That would have been way more believable and way more enjoyable than them just going like, okay, you're out. It's like, okay, you did your little stay in place. Like, we'll, we'll pick up on this at another Raw where no one's really going to care about it anymore anyway. That that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, I agree. The Rollins and Company versus Kevin Owens and Company stuff should have died at the Royal Rumble. It had already gone on a couple weeks too long for my taste at that point. Um, as far as Rollins as a stable leader, I could not disagree more. I'm thoroughly entertained by him and their interactions. The problem is when it gets down to. When it's just the four of them, I'm okay. But when the other four, who are the same four who've been doing this for two months almost, when they come out, then I get bored. I think they just need to do dance partners uh, for for Fair. every person involved. And I, the sooner we can get to that, the better. Because I, I think you're wrong about Rollins as the leader. I think you're just, I think you're just kind of blinded by the staleness of this particular feud. I think if if they put him in something fresh, Rollins can prove you wrong. Or bring in someone fresh to be part of a stable. Like a stable doesn't always have to be four people. Right. Bring in a fifth person. I think they're getting there. I think they're getting there. It's just a very, very slow burn. Like, like, like it's so stale. You're starting to see mold on it. I mean, come on. <laughs> Okay, well, it goes without saying, we are big Becky Lynch fans here. Oh, yeah. Any given Friday, we stand the man. She had a title match this past Monday against Asuka. It was a rematch from their Royal Rumble outing. And, of course, she won to retain the championship. And unsurprising to anybody who has any idea of what's going on behind the scenes, uh, Shayna Baszler attacked after the match and everything. And then things kind of went off the rails. Baszler apparently is a vampire. I guess. Because she, she, you know, in kayfabe, bit Becky Lynch on the back of the neck. Because, I mean, all vampire elements in WWE have worked before. (laughs) That's right. Like, it's never gone wrong. They've got such a great track record, you know. 
Um, who is that wrestler's name? Hold on, I got, I got. I know, I'm, I'm blanking too. Is it Viscera? No, I'm thinking of Gangrel. Gangrel, yes. Gangrel, come on now. I mean, ugh. Kevin Thorne. <laughs> like this has been done. Yeah, it's been it done. Work. It doesn't work. Um. So yeah, Twilight doesn't make it better. <laughs> So we, we are very clearly against that element of this story. The rest of the night was pretty solid. We had a, a stone-cold moment with Becky where she hijacked an ambulance, drove herself to the hospital, came back. And, and she, she went to the emergency room, got seen, got stitched up, bandaged, and made it back to the arena by the end of the show. That's the most unrealistic part of this. And she is like, well, she's also like, oh, man, she's she's. Playing it up though, like she's keeping in character. Yeah. The next day, they were doing media uh, um, appearances to promote the next WrestleMania in Hollywood, and she had a bandage on, on the back of her neck. I just love her commitment. Um, she, if it were anybody else, I would have given up on this from the jump. But because it's Becky, I will remain invested. And her promo later Monday night, when she did come back from the hospital, uh, quote unquote. Um, was incredible. Yeah, she there's, sold me. There's but that, that's all it ever took with these two. As I said a few weeks ago, and I don't mean to hog the mic, as I said a few weeks ago when Becky and Shayna met up ahead of Survivor Series, I think the phrase that I used was when they had their little sit-down, it jumped off the screen. We didn't need anything else other than the, the two of them and a microphone. And they they've... They, they kind of botched Shayna's main roster debut by having her lose the Royal Rumble. And now they botched the first chapter, in my opinion, uh, of this story. I, I think there's plenty of time to save it, but they got they cannot keep doing this kind of stuff. Well, I think the only positive we have as far as this whole vampire thing is, let's be clear, there's about five people who can make this work. All right, Becky Lynch, Cody Rhodes, Chris Jericho, um, Shawn Michaels, and you know maybe someone like Randy Orton could you know kind of salvage it, but you know the vampire thing is just that. That's what I'm stuck on. Like it's going, it's unnecessary. It's very unnecessary. Though, like I said, the blessing is Becky Lynch is there. She can make it into something, and maybe she'll take the vampire saga part of it and like. Make it more interesting. Do I think so? No, but she has the potential. That's the thing. She if any woman on the current WWE roster is going to make that work, it's her. <laughs> yeah, so it's a gamble. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. The only difference between them and AEW is if it was an AEW and it didn't work. They th- drop it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, if it ain't working, we're going to have to keep it up till at least WrestleMania, if not SummerSlam. And we're going to, you know, just, it, it's going to hurt Becky's credentials. That's the way I'm looking at it. So it's a gamble, but let's just let's just see what happens. I guess you know, <laughs> like. Ugh. Okay, well, we had a lot to talk about this week, but as we said, we it's been a couple weeks since we got together, but we yep. appreciate you hanging tough through all of that. Maybe next week we'll have a little more narrow discussions. Uh, probably going to be pretty wrestling heavy for yeah. the foreseeable future until some of, some of these other sports kick in. Probably throw in some basketball every now and then, of course, but because uh, we do like our shooting hoops. Oh yes, here on any given Friday. March uh, Madness is coming up. That's right. That's right. We'll get to all of that in the foreseeable future, hopefully. 
And uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in this week. Hope you come back for next week's episode. Indeed. Bye. Thank you for listening to Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. Check back next week for another brand new episode.